0: Context of where we are going tonight with this message. And, um, <clears throat> you know, um, I just put out the call for cookies and uh, baked goods, things like that. Um, and cookies, like anything else, uh, should a lot of them have recipes. Now, I don't know if any of you had family members like this. My grandmother was like this. I don't know if she ever had a recipe for about a, about anything. Uh, I'm sure at one time she started with the recipes, but but boy, I tell you what, she. My I remember my aunt saying, "Mom, what do you do for this?" And her, I, I don't know. I just put this in there and that in there and this in there and that in there and this in there and and of course everything was delicious. Everything was great. It was it was one of those. Uh, yeah, I'm on, it was one of those. Uh, she was just had. She was a cook. She could cook, and it was wonderful. And uh, but I'll tell you what if you forget something integral to that ingredient to that uh, recipe it can be really really bad right I got to uh, preach down at chapel one time at Spokane at the school not too long maybe last year one time preached out of Psalm one in a recipe the recipe for life and for a good life blessed is man that walketh on the counsel of the ungodly and I, and I and I I I brought a batch of cookies I made them myself and. Um, and two of those cookies, I left out salt. I left everything, salt and something else. I left out some good stuff out of it. And sugar, no, sugar, and I added salt or something like that. And I said, anybody want to try one of these cookies? And, of course, the boys. They're like, yeah, you know. And one kid was like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm like, you have ruined the whole thing now. You know, you've ruined the whole illustration. And, uh, of course, the other one was like, what is wrong with this? I'm like, oh, thank you. I had, and, uh, and i was trying to illustrate in 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 a way about how life can can really taste bad Right without the right recipe. And I was trying to explain to them the right recipe to have in life. And one of those things of the godly man is, is he delights in the law of the Lord, and the law does he meditate day and night. And if you get the word of God, that main ingredient in your life, I'm telling you, it'll help you have a good, it'll help you have a good life. It'll help you have a good recipe uh, for life. But sometimes, listen, sometimes people accidentally leave things out of their recipe. How many of you have ever got something done and went, uh-oh, I think I forgot. Or you have something sitting here that's full that should have been in there, and this should have been empty, and you went, uh-oh, I forgot that. Right? My sister, we were at my sister's house one time, and she made these pierogies. <laughs> and the poor girl struggles at cooking, and, uh, and she's hilarious. And I watch her over, and she has this <laughs> turkey baster with, Mayonnaise in it, and she's sticking it in the cooked pierogies, trying to squeeze. I'm like, "What are you doing?" She goes, "Well, I forgot the mayonnaise, so I thought maybe if I could get them in there afterward." I mean, they're cooked, and she's squeezing. I'm like, mm. and "They actually were—they weren't bad. They were okay." But this—and this is how she's been since she was young. My mother—I'm telling you—my mother came in one time, and she had. She was making a cake. She was very young, making a cake. She had her hand in the bowl. And she's like, Jen, what, oh, well, I said her name wrong. Anyway, what are you doing? And she said, L- I'm telling you, she said, well, the direction said stir by hand. And she had her hand in the bowl mixing up this bowl. All right, I'm just telling you, some people, some people struggle, struggle with cooking. But anybody who has ever cooked, okay, there have been mistakes made ingredients have been left out and you know what happens when you leave the ingredients out it's kind of it's like oh this isn't good or this is a waste of time and I can't believe I did that it goes in the trash or maybe you kind of muscle through it like when eggs get left out of cookies and things like that and you muscle through it and you eat it anyway right now if you ever want to see a real show and how this works sometimes uh, Audra has a window in her room, in her wind, in her house, and she'll raise the blinds, and it's it'll be like uh, going to the zoo, and you can watch Micah back in the kitchen cook, and you know, okay, and it's it, it'll be really exciting, right? Right, Micah? Yeah. And I'm sure Micah has never made anything wrong or missed out an ingredient, have you? Yeah, exactly. Did you know there's ingredients for a church? Did you know there, there are ingredients for a church? There are ingredients necessary to make a good church a great church. There are. And I want to look at that and some of the ingredients that we need in a church as we move forward. In our text tonight, I'll look at two of them. There's five of them here. Uh, good to brush over this again. Five ingredients that make a great church. You know, I want Crimson Avenue Baptist Church to be a refreshing church. I want it to be an exciting church. I want it to be a healthy church. I want it to be a great church. I think everybody in this room wants that as well. Let me give you some background. Peter, remember, had healed a lame man back in chapter 3. Right, and what he did after he healed the man, he took the opportunity to preach Christ, what happened five thousand people got saved. I mean what an incredible event that was and and of course, it caught. The, the wind of the religious crowd. They got a little upset about it. They 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 called Peter in. They called John in. They put him in jail for the night. And 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 Brother Jim just read this here in chapter four. They brought him out and they questioned them and they said, Where did you get your authority to preach? I mean, this is the Pharisees. These are, we are the Sanhedrin. We are the Pharisees. We are the Sadducees. We are the religious authority in 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 in, in, in Israel. Where did you get your authority to preach? And and boy governments have done this ever since haven't they? I mean, essentially, they listen. It'll be back here. They'll they'll be trying it again soon, trying to figure out and establish who uh, who has the authority to preach and and uh, and they will. It will come. But you know what happened here is uh, when they asked where his authority came from, well, Peter just preached to them, and uh, they didn't like that. And in verse uh, eleven, look what he says: "This is the stone which was set at not of you builders." Which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must, ye must, be saved. And and so, well, you know what? They told Peter to quit preaching. He said, "It's not happening. We're going to preach." And so, what they ended up doing, they let them go, and and uh, so Peter and John head back to the church there, and to the assembly there at Jerusalem. And if you'll notice in verse twenty-three, verse twenty-three, they've made their way back to the church. They've preached; five thousand have been saved. They've been in jail. They've been brought up before the council. They they stood their ground. And they said, okay, let them go. So what they do? They went back to the the assembly. and 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 look, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company, the church, and reported all that the chief priests and elders said unto them. Them. What is that? The church. And when they heard that, verse 24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Psalm 2, this is the kings of the earth uh, stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth. Against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand, uh, I'm sorry, whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, Lord, look what they're saying here, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, that's what they were doing here, they would prayed. When they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness wait a minute they're filled, filled with the Holy Ghost and didn't speak in tongues <laughs> no they spake the word of God with boldness would you notice two things here in this prayer two things that are going on at the Church of Antioch I'm yeah the, yeah the, the, the church here and I think I uh, I think I said Jerusalem earlier and uh, but two things going on here at this at this church. I'm at Jerusalem. Yeah, I'm supposed to be at Jerusalem. Now I'm all turned around. Anyway, notice two things. I want you to notice some things. Yeah. Ingredients of a church. Ingredients of a good church. Ingredients of, <clears throat> of a refreshing and a healthy and a great church. Notice first here, when they came back to the assembly, the first thing that the church did was prayed. They prayed. I don't think we can preach enough on prayer. I don't think we can encourage each other enough on prayer. I don't think we any of us would ever stand up and say, I have spent enough time in prayer. Prayer is always one of the most convicting messages there is because we all know we could pray more. Think about it. The disciples got to see the healing of Jesus. They got to see the miracles of Jesus. They got to watch him raise Lazarus from the dead and raise another young girl from the dead. They got to watch all of these incredible things about Jesus. And the one thing the disciples asked Jesus was to teach them to pray. Not teach them to heal. Not teach them to raise the dead that we see recorded at all. But we do see recorded. Obviously the Holy Spirit of God wanted us to see this, that they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Oh, they had heard him pray. You ever heard somebody pray? Well, I'm telling you, they knew God. Their mouth opened, and you knew they were in the presence of God, and God had come down on that place. Strangely enough, I was in a, in a church service one night, and and the, the individual had pointed out a certain man, a, a pastor, that was visiting, and he wasn't even a pastor of a Baptist church, and the man knew him because they're the they, same town, and And they were friendly with one another. And that man of that other church was in this church, this Baptist church that night. And he said, good to see you. Would you open us in prayer? Let me tell you something. That man opened his mouth. And the moment he opened his mouth, you went, whoa. Did you hear this guy pray? This guy prayed. Didn't have eloquent words. Didn't have anything there. But you knew that he knew God. And you knew he had been used to being in the presence of God. And it was nothing. It was nothing for him at all. I'm telling you, friend. Uh, the, the, listen, the disciples had heard Jesus pray. The disciples had heard them in mean, one of the most pivotal times in their in their walk with the Lord Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The one time when I bet they looked back and they really had wished they had heard what he had said in his prayer to the Father. They were asleep. Remember that one? Could you imagine what they missed when Jesus was praying to his Father? <laughs> Lord, if it would be possible, would you let this cup pass from me? Oh, that's what's recorded, but we don't know at all that he said. The disciples don't either. They were sleeping. Yeah. Prayer. Prayer. Jesus uses three metaphors of the church. We saw that this morning. One of those metaphors is a body. A body. I find it interesting when you think of a body and you look at our own body. I think it, I love it how the creator of us and, and, the, and the one who started his own church <clears throat> used the metaphor of a body to explain his church. And when you think of our body that he created, when you think about it, uh, you, you, you see how God has caused our, our physical body to operate, right? Our body is conti- continually pet- petitioning, you would say, our brain. And our brain is continually responding back to our body. And electric currents are, are constantly going up and down all throughout our body from, from brain to organs and brain to, right now, my hands are doing this because my brain, because I'm wanting to, I mean, I don't even, it happens so fast I don't even get it. But it's all, listen, it's all connected to the head. It's all connected to the head, whether it's hunger or thirst or infection or fever or cold or hot or ice cream, right? Ice cream. It's like your brain's like, yeah. And your stomach's like, get it, right? And your mean husband's like, we don't need ice cream tonight. I'm full. Yeah. 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 Jesus described the church as a body, right? What does a body have? It has a head. Well, you know what? The church has a head, right? Right? It has a head. Who is our head? The Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.18. I said it this morning. He's the head of the body, the church. Amen. Watch this. Our head is in heaven. That is why nobody can kill the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because to kill a body, you're going to have to cut the head off. That would really help. And you're never going to get to our head, fella. You are never going to get to the Lord Jesus Christ because he is in heaven, right? He is at the right hand of the Father. You're never going to get to him. And listen, our head... The Lord Jesus Christ has a will for the body. <clears throat> he is, we are commu- back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. We are communicating with our head. Jesus wants us to approach him for all of our needs. Yeah. Talking about prayer. Prayer. You know the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly, not arrogantly, not proudly, right? Not presumptuously. I don't know how many times I've had to ask the Lord for something. And I'm telling you in my heart, I've said it. God, you don't owe us a thing. You owe us nothing. The Lord, out of your mercy, would you do this? We need this. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't owe me a thing. I have heaven. I have a relationship with him for the rest of eternity, Right? Let us come boldly. What is, what is that? With assurance. What is the assurance that we have? That he's our heavenly father. He's our heavenly. We're not going to a Buddha. We're not going to some God. We're not going to some, some thing that we're trying to appease with a bunch of works. We are going to our heavenly father who loves us. Therefore, let us come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and help and find grace to help in time of need Jesus has has commanded us to come to him for help any of you who are who are parents could you imagine your child coming home one day and having some need and said oh yeah I got I got my buddy's parents to get it for me friend it's like wait a minute no no we supply your need right go take it back right go give it back you're not they're not they're not taking care of you yeah Our Heavenly Father takes care of us. Can I say this? He takes care of us very well. Very well. Prayer. We approach the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to the Father through Jesus. We come to the Father when it's in the will of the Father and we say, Jesus said we could what it is praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ it's not just tagging his name at the end of it right now I do like tagging his name because we're maybe especially praying out loud we're letting the world say I'm not coming to God by Muhammad, I'm not coming to God by Buddha I'm not coming to God by by Christian they did nothing at all I'm coming to you by the Lord Jesus Christ that's why I'm coming to you that is the only reason I have access to you but one of the reasons we come to him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is because because he has he has said we could we come through, to, through Jesus to the Father. And you watch this, we come anytime we want to. Think about that. How many of you get texts during the day and you go, ugh, <laughs> I'm not ready for this? Yeah. Or in the morning or late at night and you just you're physically not able you're mentally not not ready for it you just you are not ready for the can i tell you at any time of the day at any hour at any season that we come to our heavenly father he he'll never say no any time is prayer time first Timothy 2:8 i i will therefore that men pray everywhere everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and and, and doubting yeah everywhere Lifting up holy hands. Amen. Don't let the the Pentecostals ruin that for you. It's biblical to lift a holy hand unto God. Praying everywhere. Praying over your meal. Praying as the plane is landing. Praying as the plane is taking off. Praying, Praying as it's flying. Praying, I mean, when you fly and travel, you learn to pray everywhere. I was over in, uh, when we were in Israel, went to the Palestinian side, and boy, you're praying over there. When you go to those bathrooms, I'm telling you what, around here, some people say, my wife will be saying, can we go to a different place? I don't want to use that restroom. Can we do you know, and when all the girls were home and they'd be like, we got to go to the bathroom. So I'd pull off at a gas station and be like, no, we're fine. I'm like, I just pulled off. No, it's okay. And of course, you know what that means? You got to go find somewhere else because it wasn't. You, some of you should have seen the bathrooms in the Palestinian side of Israel, man. I've got pictures of it. You prayed in there. You prayed in that place. It was vile. There is no telling. No mask. There's not a mask in the world that could have saved you from whatever is in those places. You prayed absolutely everywhere. No, this is the mark of a church. This is a mark of a good church. Look what this church did here in, in Acts 4. When, they, when they, Peter and John came back, immediately they assembled and they prayed. And they thanked God. Not only thank Him, they asked God for more boldness to go out and preach some more. I like that. They wanted His servants to be able to preach some more. The Bible tells us how long we're supposed to pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. It's like it's like breathing, isn't it? I believe I believe was C.S. Lewis who said that he uh, uh, likened prayer to just to breathing. It should be as natural as our breathing. Yeah. Have you ever made the mistake talking to somebody and said "Lord" because you're so used to praying? And they're looking at you like, "Huh? Oh yeah? Sorry, I'm not praying." <laughs> Actually, I think that's a wonderful thing. I think this is, somebody who prays all the time does it doesn't realize, oh. Hold on. I'm not praying. I'm just talking to somebody. Yeah. I've, I've told my wife to call me Lord, but that. <laughs> she's getting there. We're working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Times of anxiety. Anybody suffer anxiety? Yeah. Stresses. Let's call it stress. Philippians 4 6. You know, the Bible says, be careful for nothing, nothing. Anxious, anxious, worried, fearful, fretful over nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer. You know, the Bible tells us what we're supposed to pray for or who we're supposed to pray for. You know, we're supposed to pray for each other. We know that, don't we? First Thessalonians 5.25, Paul said, Brethren, brethren, pray for us. Right? We ought to be doing that. We ought to be praying for one another. We ought to be praying for laborers. Matthew nine twenty. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Can I tell you what? We need laborers. We absolutely, Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, if you're watching tonight on live stream, we need laborers. Okay? You can come here if God wants you here. So... We're supposed to pray for those things. Absolutely. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. Oh, there it goes. I was doing such a good job. Wasn't, that, wasn't this nice? No, but i, I babe, What does Matthew five forty four say in the Sermon on the Mount? Remember this? But I say unto you, Remember he'd say, it has been said of old times, but Jesus said, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good unto them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for your enemies. Yeah. It's a hard one, isn't it? Sometimes I want to punch them. In the Lord. <laughs> Pray for him. I told the men in men's prayer yesterday, maybe this is an appropriate time to tell you this, but a friend of mine lost his wife two years ago. Killed by a drunk driver. Together since high school, married 42 years. It was her 60th birthday that day. And she was killed. He was in the hospital for a long time. And God began to, he had a lot of pain, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness. God began to work on his heart. And when he went to the court, finally went to the court case, and he saw the man, he was asking people to pray for him. He hasn't seen him ever, you know. He doesn't remember the accident or anything, but he hasn't seen him. And uh, he wanted us people to pray for him. And he got a chance to speak, and he got a chance to speak directly to that man. And uh, he said, you took, you took my life away from me. You took everything that was mine. And he said, uh, but you need Jesus. And he witnessed to him, he had just a short time. You know, I got a, I saw a deal just the other day from him, and I spoke to him last night, actually. And uh, last December, he sent this man who's now in prison for a long time, He sent him his wife's Bible with a letter with the gospel in it. He corresponded with him again another time just a few weeks ago. And he said, I'm happy to report that the man was deeply touched by receiving his wife's Bible and the gospel. He said, this man accepted Christ. He said he's leading a prayer group. He's taking online Bible college courses. And uh, let me tell you something, friend. That's only the inner working of the grace of God. And I remember him saying at one point, "I." he says, I'm so upset, I'm so angry at times, I'm I'm so sad, this man took my wife, but I still don't want him to die and go to hell. Somebody needs to tell him. Yeah, wow. That is... That is Matthew 5.44 in action. Prayer. Prayer. Are we a praying church? We pray like this. Is prayer the the breath of our life? Is it every aspect of our life? Maybe it will help you to understand what God even thinks of your prayers. Revelation 5, 8. What does he say? It it says here, When they had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. What were those odors? It says here, Which are the prayers of the saints. God stores our prayers. And to Him, they're like a sweet incense to Him. Wow. You ever get a card from somebody? You open that up at various times. and You'd love to read it again. It's like there's an aroma there. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. I've got drawers full of cards. Cards that people here have given me. I can't throw cards out. I just put them in a drawer and I tuck them away. And I, every once in a while I look at them and I smile again. I enjoy them. It's cards you've given me, this church has given me, people in the church have given me for birthdays and things like that. And, and I just tuck them away. And I like, I like keeping them. can't throw it's so. I, does anybody throw cards away? Going to, I'm praying for you. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. Hey, listen, if Crimson Avenue Baptist Church is going to move forward and be a great church, we have got to be a praying church. Oswald Chambers said, prayer doesn't fit us for the greatest work. Prayer is the greatest work. Mm, Think about that. Oswald uh, Chambers, but uh, Spurgeon, not Chambers again, but Spurgeon said this, If a church is to be what it ought to be for the purposes of God, we must train it in the holy art of prayer. The greatest, listen, the greatest churches have done the greatest works because they they did the greatest work of of praying. You will never find a great, great church, one of God's churches that got where it was. By never having a prayer life. By never having, by being absent of praying people. We want to be a great church. If we want to be a great church, we're going to have to be a praying church. I think I'm going to stop here tonight. Let me ask you tonight. How's your prayer life? Listen, any of us in this room, honest with ourselves, we all know. We'd like to pray more. Yeah. We all know we might would like to pray more intently, more purposefully. Yeah. We're gonna have to be a praying church, folks. But we have a lot listen, we have a lot coming up. We have a lot of things ahead of us. Praise the Lord. Thankful for that. But listen, it is not, listen, it is not just going to happen. You know what I like about this church here in Acts? I said it earlier. Their, their, big, their biggest prayer was that they wanted them to go out and just keep preaching again. Go out and preach. Yeah. Boldness. They asked God, you know what we're going to need in these days coming up? Oh, boldness. Boldness. Boldness to preach. Boldness to preach the gospel. What happened when they had prayed in this place? The Bible says God showed up. God gave. Listen, God. God gave them a little bit of a, little bit of a, a sign that He had heard this one. He liked this. It says in verse thirty-one, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. People say, "Well, do you, do you believe that it was like just a real shaking?" Or was it, yeah? I think it shook. Don't make it so complicated. Let's be a praying church. If you're not there, ask God to help you. I tell you, we have so many distractions to prayer. I have so many distractions to prayer. Yeah. Somebody said, do you think if David had an iPhone he had ever, he'd ever written any of the Psalms? He'd ever got any of the Psalms at all? If he had had an iPhone on those hillside with the sheep? Could you imagine? Right. Yeah. So many distractions. May God help us to be a praying church. Our Father... Thank you tonight. We want to be a great church. Not just to be a great church. Lord, we want to be a great church. Because you, because for, for, for your uh, purposes and for your goal and for what you desire to do and for the, for the obedience of the Great Commission. Lord, because this is the vehicle that you've chosen to preach the gospel throughout all of the world. And uh, and if the gospel is going to be preached, it's going to be preached right out of here. People are dying and going to hell every second of the day. And they need to hear the gospel. But Father, we also recognize if we are going to move forward and get to a place where we're just used by you in a great and a mighty way, like this church here in Acts was. I tell you, we're going to have to be a praying church. Lord, would you make us, make us a praying church? Would you do what's necessary? Would you help us to remove the distractions that keep us from prayer? Sometimes what just keeps us from prayer is just a heart away from you. Maybe that's the case tonight. Lord, would you mend that heart? Lord, would you, would you change that heart? And renew a right spirit. Father, make us a praying church. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. However, the Lord has spoken to you. Maybe you need to get away with the Lord tonight and just ask him to help you. Help you to make prayer the center of your life. Help you to be a man and a woman of prayer. Praying church. You know, prayer comes on purpose, folks. Sometimes we need to rearrange our daily routines and habits in life to make room for prayer. Yeah. Tell you what, the Lord loves that. When we on purpose make time for prayer. Warm weather is coming up. Some of you need to get into a habit of taking a walk, spending time with the Lord, praying. Carving out time every day for that time, that closet time of prayer. Amen. Don't forget, you have your uh, invites to um, April 9th, to the Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, and uh, be passing those out this week and be inviting people. And next week, we'll give you more to pass out. How's that? And you can take some extras with you, too. I mean, there's no no limit. There's not a law like, oh, no, don't, don't take 45 of those and pass them out. And you only take two. Right? So this isn't the cookie aisle.